chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. We live in a world with natural laws. Now we have man's laws. They tell us what we can't do, what we can do. These things are designed apparently for the good of the whole community. That's why we have stop signs. Good idea to stop at them. But there are also things called natural laws. A natural law has been defined humorously, I think, as a law that can't be repealed. Like gravity. No matter what government on earth says, from now on, what goes up can stay up. Doesn't have to come down. Lots of, lots of natural laws. One in particular we know well this time of year is, is the law of the harvest. If you plant watermelon seeds, you will not grow roses. What you sow, you will reap. It's not just for the ground, my friends. It's also for our very lives. Know this. Know this. What you do with this life, there will be consequences. What goes up must come down. The way that you live will determine the results of your life. In Genesis chapter 6, we see the, the great, great illustration of this truth, my friends. It is a sad, sad story that we must know. Frankly, it gives me chills to think about the truths within. But you will notice here in verses 1 to 7, something we learn about consequences. And that is this, that God's judgment is just. God's judgment is just. When man, verse 1, began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. Now that's a, a, a whole lot of fun two verses there that theologians have wrestled over and continue. You see, some have suggested that uh, what's going on here is that these sons of God are actually fallen demons and they're, they're coming to earth and marrying women. Apparently later on they have children, which to me is, is very odd. How does an angel... Now, you know that the Spirit of God came upon Mary, and of course Jesus was, um, or I guess Mary was conceived with Jesus. Fallen angels aren't God. They can't do that sort of thing. Now, they recommend that we look at Second uh, Peter and Jude and see their fallen angels there. That must be what this is talking about. But you can't study this passage and find anywhere that this, this must be fallen angels. I would suggest to you this, my friend, that what's going on here is a great deal of compromise. That the, the people who are defined as sons of God, in other words, they're following Him by faith, 
have compromised themselves. There may be a hint of polygamy going on here. It is the first step in description, my friends, of judgment to come. You'll notice here, verse 3, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever. I'm talking about angels there at all. For he is flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. Do you know what the Lord just said there? He says, here's the countdown. Man has 120 years left. Today, for good heavens, most of my life, there have been theologians trying to figure out the key to all of this, to when the Lord is going to come. It must be in October because <laughs> just random things and, and people. But here, here, my friends, the Lord, in light of the sin of man, is about to bring judgment. And he's just started the clock. 120 years. And notice here in verses 4 to 7, the continued description of sin. Well, we're going to, yeah. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. There was something unique about these people. And the Lord, look at here in verse 5, Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Look at this indictment. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know what this is a description of? Sin nature. Let's talk about that. When Adam sinned, all of humanity fell. And every descendant of Adam has what is called a sin nature. Which is this. You and I are always inclined to act on our own benefit. Selfishness is the very root of sin. I. I want this. I'll take this. I don't like that, and I don't like you. I, 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 some bad stuff going on here. And look at how God feels about this. We don't often have the opportunity to experience God's feelings about such. But if you wonder how God feels about sin, look at verse 6. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. And so God's grief. And here in verse 7, we see God's remorse. So God said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. What a sad picture of how God feels about, yes, you know, the little white lie, you know, I mean, you were just trying to lie to make them feel good. And to make you feel good. I wish that I had never made them. That is how God feels about sin. 
It reminds me of another event with the nation of Israel, who God had created this nation, had brought them out of bondage after 430 years of the Egyptians, was bringing them to a promised land in order to do one thing, bless their socks off. He was going to give them cities that they had not built. He was going to give them fields that they had not planted. He was going to give them the best. And you know what they did? They grumbled. And they said, we don't know where this Moses is leading us. Let's raise up a new leader and go back to Egypt. And you know what the Lord said? Stand back, Moses. I'm going to kill every one of them. And I'm going to start over with you. I want you to feel this stuff, friends. Heaviness. What were they doing, friends? Were they sacrificing? No, not yet. They were simply grumbling against God. And hear me when I say this. All grumbling is grumbling against God. All of it. I don't like His plan. I don't like His timing. I don't like the circumstances in which He has placed me. We grumble. We grumble. We grumble. God's judgment, judgment is just. Because the fact is, friends, that certainly there isn't a person here that doesn't recognize that the condemnation of hell is exactly what we deserve because of our sin. God's judgment is just. It's right. We have offended a holy God with our sin. But hear this, my friends. Here in verses 8 through 22, we see that not only is God's judgment just, God is also a God of grace. God is a God of grace. Notice this word, but, at the beginning of verse 8. That is a word of contrast. Here is all of this, this world described as every intent of their thoughts is only evil continually. But, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word is, is grace. Grace. We use a lot of words in church that uh, sometimes we don't define really well. But God, grace is God giving to us something we don't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is God not giving to us what we do deserve. Particularly when speaking of judgment. So let's take a look at Noah's character. What is it that caused the Lord to look at this man and say, this is the one that I'll start over with. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, verse 8, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. And Noah was a righteous man. Now the description here of a righteous man means he was in a right relationship with God. And how do we best describe a relationship that is right with God? He was a man of faith. Because you cannot please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Noah was a righteous man before God. But you'll notice also that he was blameless in his generation. And that is a description of his relationship before others. And what we can garner from this, my friends, is because of his relationship with God, he lived well before man. 
There's a key principle in that, my friends. You want to live well with others, start with your relationship with God. Righteous before God, blameless before man. And you will notice here that Noah walked with God. Noah, Noah was a holy man, and that word holy has all kinds of ideas in our head, but basically what it means is one. Ivory soap growing up, we all know about it. How, how pure was ivory soap, 99 and 44th, 100? I mean, what a funny thing, you know? But, but it wasn't pure, was it? There's still that 54th percent of uh, filth in there. I mean, what is what else is in there, you know? It's really clean except for part of it. I mean, like a bowl of spaghetti, you know? As long as it has a bit of a bowl of cat hair in it or something, you know, hey, it's good spaghetti. Most of it's spaghetti. Who's going to eat that? Not this guy. Gotta make you. Not this guy. But Noah walked with God. Talks about a relationship. Holiness. And so having looked at Noah's character, notice also his calling. God has set the clock 120 years. And so God is choosing this man to make a difference. You'll notice in verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, as sin always leads to. Selfishness, snapping, yelling, violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And here's the plan. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 350 cubits. It's breadth 50 cubits. It's height 30 cubits. Cubits about to elbow to the fingertip, about 18 inches. They're about 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. I don't know if that's right or not, but you can do the math. I gave you the formula. It's big. And he says to make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower second and third decks. And this is why you're going to build a boat, a really, really big ark. For behold, verse 17, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die. Say it with me, friends. The wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. Death was not part of the original design of God. It took place after the fall. What a sad, sad thing it is to know 
because of sin, we all will die. So God's judgment, it is severe. It is severe, my friends. It ain't a slap on the wrist. It isn't going to sit in the corner. I'm going to make you limp for a month. As horrible as that is. The wages of sin is death. But notice this, friends. God knows how to judge the wicked and to save the righteous. God knows how to judge the wicked and save the righteous. But, verse 18, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives, and of every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female, and of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten, and stored up it shall serve as food for you and for them. And you won't believe this, but Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him, just as we would expect him to. A righteous man who obeys God and honors him in his life. Well, my friends, to get the summary here in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 17, the flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. And the waters prevailed among the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, Birds and livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all of mankind. Everything on the dry land and whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animal, creeping things and birds of the heaven. They were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left of those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. God takes your sin very seriously, my friends. It grieves him. It grieves the heart of God. So know this. God will severely punish the wicked and preserve those who put their trust in Him. God will punish the wicked, but He is a God of grace. And will draw people to Himself to put their faith in His Son, Jesus, who died for them. You want to know how much God loves you? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. There is no greater love and a man lays down his life for his friends. So fear him.
Fear him, O you sinners who sin wantonly. Fear him, O you sinners who know the truth, but sin anyway. Fear him, O you sinners who profess Jesus with the mouth, but deny him with your life. Fear him. He is most certainly a God of grace, but he is a God of justice, and he will punish sin. Either through Jesus on the cross for your sake, or you will bear it on your own. Trust him, my friends. The New Testament refers to Noah as a preacher of righteousness. You, you know what that meant? He went and told people the truth. That it's going to rain. Interestingly enough, my friends, it had never rained before. The original design of the earth was that all of the plants and the trees were watered from beneath. In rain. And so, no doubt, his neighbors, perhaps family, friends, people at work, looked at him and laughed. What do you mean it's going to rain? Don't be ridiculous. But he pleaded with them. Hear me. Judgment is coming. And there is grace. Trust him. Run to him. Trust in him. He will save you. Friends, if you're not talking about the, to the people that you know about Christ, you're just holding your head under water. You just tell them, go to hell. Father, help us. We know that the day is coming in which your Son will return for us. We know that there is a day of great judgment on the horizon. We don't know when it is, sooner than it's ever been, in which all that who are not written in the book of life will be cast into hell. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Father, help us not to forget these things just simply because we are safe safe in the arms of our Savior who died for us. Help us not to be selfish and keep it to ourselves, but to cry from the mountaintops, to plead with our family and our friends, but to trust in Jesus. Help us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name.